Dear Lord, I want to thank you for a wonderful day. Thank you for our church. Thank you for this class and spiritual disciplines, what this has, uh, this whole experience has meant so much to all of us. Uh, I do want to thank you for suffering. I want to thank you for your son who showed us such a good example of how to deal with suffering, how to give you the glory, Lord. And I ask that you would be glorified through this next hour and that we can learn from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I think we're starting right about time. I'm going to go ahead and get some announcements. I was given strict instructions to go through these. So if everybody has Church Center on their app, this is what you do. You press Church Center, just hit announcements. It's super easy. And if you go to Church Center and it's not right, you can, you can hit home, then announcements, okay? Now, the first announcement of the clip classes, and I, so next week they're starting a brand new set. And if you want to sign up, you click on a, equip classes and you just can pick any one of these. And what's cool is I actually say if it's open or not. So I think you can kind of just show up, but it's best to go ahead and um, you know, apply and then they know how many people are there and if they have the right size room and all that kind of good stuff. And they also want me to talk about the equip classes a little bit that are coming up. And it's kind of cool because three out of the four deal with suffering, or at least the way I looked at it. Um, the first one is Lessons from the Cross, and this is sayings that Jesus said while he was on the cross, which is all about suffering. Matt Jones is teaching that. That's one of the equip classes. The other one is by Jim Davis, and it's called The Art of Suffering. So Jim Davis does Grief Share on Saturday mornings, and he does this six-week um, equip class that, so my hour that we're talking about today, he expands over six weeks. He spends one whole one whole time on the art of lament, so the godly way of bringing your cares to God. And we're going to touch on that today, but nowhere near the depth. Uh, he, and he helped me with a lot of this and just a great resource. So I strongly re recommend that class, especially if you're going through serious suffering and trials. Uh, there's another one called The Writings that Mark Drinkard is teaching. This is Old Testament, and it's, during, it's specifically said during Israel's time of exile, trial, and return. So another suffering class. The only one that doesn't have anything to do with suffering is thinking through our faith that Bruce Scheidhauer is teaching. And it's basically understanding God's truth from the Bible and how to share that. Um, so all good classes, they're all open still. Um, so I, I would recommend all of them. Okay, so the other thing, let's get back into Church Center. The other announcements, they ascend. So we have the Ignite Conference coming up. This is for high school students and we're going to somewhere deep in Kansas. Um, trying to think of the town. But anyway, Hutchinson? Okay, and it's like a seven hour drive. That's the part that I remember. <laughs> um, so we're leaving on Friday and this would be, I wrote this down, so Friday on the 23rd and we come back on the 25th. Uh, so I've been to several of these camps now and this is the first one to this particular place, but I've been on several winter camps and summer camps. And I just wanna let everybody know it's just great teaching. The, the church is really awesome about focusing on not just running around and having fun, although that happens too, but to having really good quality teaching. The kids all have a good time, and a million of my kids have gone through them. Um, and then the last announcement is Newcomer Night, which is on March 8th. And this, if anybody's new to the church or thinking about joining the church, this is an awesome way. Uh, the elders there, a lot of the leadership, leadership are there. You get to ha uh, meet with them and kind of a, oh, Kelly's here, how you doing? <laughs> Um, it's just a real relaxed time. You get to ask questions about the church, anything you're wanting to know, and it's just a really good opportunity if you want to learn more. All right, so now we got through all the announcements, and we're doing, we're doing great on time.
Uh, my name is Mark Head. My wife Jackie is over here. We are known for two main things. We have seven kids aged 14 to 30 and we homeschool. Um, that's kind of the main things that set us apart. Uh, <laughs> and um, one thing I do want to talk about that kind of leads into this is so we have three kids out of the house now. And one of the, it's been kind of a big thing for us to deal with because all of a sudden you don't have any control at all. When they're little, you can pretend you are in control, but you really know when they're out of the house that you don't. Um, and it, it's forced us to rely more on God. And that's kind of the theme to suffering to me, is in suffering you can decide to go your own way and turn your back on God, or you can lean into God. And obviously what we're talking about this class is how to lean into God and, and how that is the proper way to deal with suffering. That also is a big part of my personal testimony is God has used trials in my life to bring me closer to him, uh, to show me that I can't do this on my own. Um, as I get older, it's more obvious that I never could have done this on my own. But that, that's part of the thing that suffering does, right? You, it's very hard to go through suffering and feel like you've got it all figured out, that you're in control. It's just a huge thing. Um, so, and I want to start off with an example. Could somebody read Psalms 13? While you're looking at there, about a third of the Psalms deal with suffering and lament. And they all have a certain kind of way they go through it. And Psalm 13 is just a beautiful example of it. Does anybody have that? Okay, go Marv. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? Having sorrow in my heart all the day, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O oh Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Thanks, Barb. Um, so what I love about Psalms is there's so much feeling here. You can see what the psalmist is going through. Um, how long will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? These are real things. This person doesn't know where to turn. Well, they do, but they're, they're going through this moment where they just can't see a future. And the other thing that's great is at the end, they all come back to God. And they, they talk about God's, where God was there for them in the past. And I think that's a key point. Um, to remember what God has done for you, his promises in the Bible, and how he's been there in the past, and he will be with you through the suffering and in the future. So I would like to compare two real people that have gone through suffering and some quotes that we have. And I'm going to, if you want to turn it into a game, because I like games, if you can think of the person, you can shout it out, okay? And I'm going to try not to make it obvious at the first, at, at the start. This first person is current, okay? So she's alive right now, and the thing she has done was just a few months ago. Um, she, uh, oh, I kind of skipped a little bit here. Okay, I got to read this because I don't want to mess it up. Okay, so she was a part of the U.S. team that won a gold medal, and it won a bronze medal. She was also part of the team that won the FIFA Women's World Cup twice. She was a team captain or co-captain on, on both of those. Any guesses so far? Okay, I haven't really given you much information. On her last real game, she tore her Achilles and was out. She was like three minutes into the game. Does that help anybody? 
Yeah, and she has purple hair too. <laughs> uh, this is Megan Rapinoe. Okay, so I'm, I'm not gonna pick on her. I'm not trying to punch down here, but what she said I think is so telling, okay? So this is in the press conference after the game. Remember, she tore her Achilles. This is a big deal, she's an athlete. All of a sudden she can't do what she loves and what she's paid to do and all that kind of good stuff. But here's her quote. She says, I'm not a religious person or anything, and if there was a God, like this is proof that there isn't. So based on that, you can assume that this person doesn't know God, is living the life the way she wants to live it. And it's so interesting to me that even that kind of person in the middle of something like that, at least the question of God is there. So at some level, she had to say, where is God in this? Now she took the wrong route, but I think it's, it's interesting. So um, she was focused on her situation and how this had messed over her and, and that, so which, which is all the wrong thing to do. Um, okay, so the second person is a historic figure. Uh, this person, mother, his mother died when he was nine. Later on, when he was 26, he was basically engaged to a woman. They both got a cold. She died at 22, and he survived. We actually don't know what the cold was. Some people think it was tuberculosis. Um, but anyway, he recovered, and she did not. He got married later and had four kids. One of his sons died at the age of four, had a cold for 52 days, and then died, which just sounds horrible to go through that. Second child died when the child was eight. And um, when I was telling Aiden this quote, and I started crying, so I'm, going, I'm not going through this time. But this is a quote that this person had at the time. Uh, this is horrible. Okay, my poor boy, he was too good for this earth. God has called him home. I know that he is better off in heaven, but then we loved him so. It is a hard, hard, it is hard, hard to have him die. So my point in that quote is this is just a horrible thing. This person's suffering here. This is a real thing. This is not just tubbing your toe. And he obviously was going to God with his, with his pain. Um, the next part is there was a huge battle in America, and this person said a speech at that battle. Any guesses yet? Kimberly. Yes, there we go. Very good. Very proud of you all. Um, <laughs> um, so at the Battle of Gettysburg, over 50,000 soldiers died on the North and the South combined. Uh, Abraham Lincoln did a three-minute speech at Gettysburg Address. It's extremely famous. This is something he said at the time um, in one of his quotes. And he, and he said, when I left Springfield, and this is Springfield, Illinois, which is, means when he was heading to become president, I asked the people to pray for me, but I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. He told friends at the time that he had last found the faith that he had longed for. He realized, he said, that his heart was changed and that he loved the Savior supremely. So this is all from a book called Abraham Lincoln, The Man and His Faith. The author is G. Frederick Owen. And I highly recommend the book. What was really interesting to me was, and I knew, I knew I wanted to use Abraham as my second example, but, but I, got a, I wanted to get a book that talked about his faith, and this was in the, uh, the library at the, what's the homeschool place where we all go to? <laughs> the Pillar. <laughs> Thanks. They have a library there, so, and it's really cool, you can bar and it's got a lot of good stuff. But anyway, the book talks about the writings of Abraham Lincoln early on, where he does talk about God, but there's a different sound to it. It's more like, because everybody talked about God back then. And then later on, after he'd gone through these trials, you could tell 
he was getting his strength from the Lord and he was focused on the Lord and it, and it became more, his sayings became more like a sermon rather than just, just talking about a God. And I, I think that's the key thing, right? So you have these two people and Abraham Lincoln through many horrible trials. Nobody would ever want Abraham Lincoln's life, um, but he was drawn to God through all of that. Um, so I want to bring up a couple of things. These are free of charge. These are not the main points of the, of the talk. Um, the first thing is I, I want to talk about how serious suffering really can be. It's very easy to talk about how God works through suffering if it's minor stuff. But we all know things that are not remotely minor. Um, there's terminal illnesses with children. There's chronic pain, uh, you know, mental dementia for relatives. These are really hard things. It's, it's very hard to see the fairness of it. Well, the world's not fair, obviously. But I'm not trying to sugarcoat any of that. And one of the things through this study is the Bible doesn't sugarcoat it at all. The Bible talks about suffering. And it's interesting, especially when we talk about the Israelites, it's not even a person's life. It's generations of suffering. You know, the captivity in, in Egypt, the whole nation was dealing with these horrible things. And God did deal with it, but it was on his timing, obviously. Um, another quick point about suffering is it, it, it can be very relative. And having a bunch of kids, you can see that the things they are going through that really affect them, it's not the same things that would affect me. You know, a test, um, a four-hour shift at work or whatever doesn't seem that big a deal to me, but it's a big deal to them. And I think it's important for us to learn to empathize with what each other are going through, even if it's not the kind of thing that's a big deal to you. One example I want to do actually goes from when I was a kid. Um, when my brother and I would complain about school, dad would always say he had to walk to school. It was rain, windy, rainy, and it was always snowing, apparently. And it was uphill both ways. And he literally said it was uphill both ways. And it became a family joke. It's like, seriously, Dad, there's no possible way. Well, <clears throat> just a few years ago, we took in the, the homeschool van that we have. We had all our kids, even the older ones, and Mom and Dad. And we went to Alton, Illinois. If anybody's been to Alton, Illinois, it's pretty hilly. And he showed us the route to school. And, Kind of, you could say, it was down a really big hill and then back up, that's a really big hill. So eh, I'll go ahead and give it to him. That was uphill both ways. So again, we need to be able to empathize with other, other people. So I want to make that point. All right, so let's start with, does anybody want to give an answer to the question, why is there suffering in the world? Marv. Sure, it started with Adam. Good. Anybody to add on to that? That's my main point, too. Genesis 3. Yeah, right, good. Okay, um, and since you already read, I'll get, uh, does anybody else want to read Genesis 3, 16 through 19? This is after, go ahead, Kurt. This is after eating the fruit in the Garden of Eden, after they've already tried to hide from God, and God's basically saying, you've been found out, and this is what's going to happen. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
Um, so I love that last thing for you are dust and your dust you shall return because Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, right? And so one of the punishments is you are really going to know how much you are not me. <laughs> so there's no kidding around anymore. Um, you have, yeah, I just wanted to make the comment. Sure. You were talking earlier about God's timing. Right, and right. This passage is, uh, is perfect to kind of put it all in perspective. We started in 16, verse 15. Uh, God is talking to Satan, and he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman. That's between he and Eve. Right. And between her seed, right. uh, your seed and her seed, right. his seed would be unbelievers. Her seed eventually would be Jesus Christ. Right. And he says, you shall bruise, he, he shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the heel with the head right. the death blow. Right. So in this passage, God's telling Satan, essentially, right. I'm going to send somebody to take care of this. Right. It was 4,000 years. Right, and that's what's so exciting, right? Because God's plan was already in place, obviously. It, you know, and from our perspective, you can't even think that many years. But it was already figured out, at, you know. Right, he said and he was he already telling it. it. And mm -hmm. he did it, but it was 4,000 But it, but it, was, it was his timing, so, right? right? Exactly, very much so. Um, so that's the big thing. Sin was brought in the world. The other big point is we are not the only people or the only creatures that suffer from sin. The creation suffered from sin. Um, and that's why it's a pain to work. That's why you're not just walking around picking fruit off the trees. You gotta plant, you gotta harvest, you gotta do all this kind of stuff. And um, like Roman says, the wages of sin is death. So that's when we started to die. And all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it, it's, it's just such a big point that our sin, the things that we do, don't just affect us. Um, so I want to make that point. Uh, could somebody read Romans 8, 19 through 22? This kind of resays the same thing. 22, please. Perfect, thank you. Again, it's not just us that suffer. Um, it affected everything. The world is a mess. So I want to talk a little about types of suffering. This is all kind of subcategories underneath the first point. But the first big thing is the world is broken. Um, there is disease, death, war, poverty, famine. We can go on and on. There's horrible things going out there, and we are in the world. We're not in glory yet, obviously, so we're living in the middle of this mess. Got a quick example of this. So um, last year we were able to take all our kids to Florida. We have a friend that has a house down there, so it was a really good price. Um, we were very close to the beach. And um, to describe this house, so there's a kind of a kitchen, a door that goes out, and then it's a concrete patio with like a little wading pool, maybe three feet deep, right there. So the pool's right next to the house. Well, we've been, we weren't really sure how much we were gonna use it at the time, but we ended up being out there all, it was just a great time. Well. I'd say two days into it, I was walking out and I looked down and there was a little black spider between the house and the pool. And I'm like, that's interesting And because I'm distracted by things like that. I was looking closer and I was like, that's cool. There's a red mark on underneath it. And well, it was a black widow. It had the red hourglass, just perfect. All, and it was upside down, which I've always wondered why God put the mark underneath it, but it was upside down in its web. And the worst thing about it is while I'm sitting there staring at it, it went down in a crack and I'm like, oh my gosh. 
I've got to go home and I've got to go in and tell everybody that there's a black wood outside and, and like an idiot, I let it get away. Um, and we were going to be walking right by it from then on. And then we're kind of like, are they all over the house? Are they all, or what are we doing? Or was there a nest of them? We're all going to die. Um, and I have several children. Aiden's not one of them or Addison, but I do have several children that don't like spiders at all. Um, so it was kind of a pretty creepy thing. The good news is the next day I did find it. I really killed it that day. So it, and I have pictures of it. I have a lot of proof. Um, and we never found another one. But the point is that little spider, which is the size of my fingernail, could have killed you. I mean, it's got, it's, the venom's more poisonous than a snake. Obviously, it doesn't have much venom. But it's a horrible thing. So to me, that's just a quick example. These, this was not the original setup. You know, Adam and Eve walked around naked in the garden. They weren't worried about spiders um, stepping on and getting killed or anything. So the world's a mess. Easy thing. Okay, so the second thing is there are specific punishments for things that we do, for sin in our life, specific things we do. And um, where you can say nature's broken and it's not my fault that spider was there, there are other things that we do. So I thought I could open this up. If anybody, and I have uh, one main example I was going to talk about, from the Bible, are there people that had specific sins and were punished for their specific sin? Does anybody have an example? If not, I can throw out the main one I thought of. David. Yeah, that's, that was the, that's the easy one, that's I think. That's the easy one, right? Yeah, um, and I think you can come up with a lot of others. Uh, Moses couldn't go into the promised land, uh, for example, for sins. Um, Bacon. What? Bacon. Yes, yes, very good. Yep. Saul yeah, he, and Saul did, did a lot of stuff, but you're right. He was punished for it and was removed from being king and killed from it. And I want to talk a little bit, uh, thank you, I want to talk a little bit about David's. And this is a good example not only of sin, but how sin snowballs and how it affects everybody else around you. So obviously everybody knows the story. He saw Bathsheba. He lusted after her. She uh, eventually was pregnant. He had her husband killed. He married her. Just horrible stuff. About as bad as you can. And this is David, a man after God's own heart and just writer of so many things and just a wonderful person in a lot of ways. And um, God did confront him with his sin. David confessed, was genuinely broken and sorry over it. And there was still punishment. And it went to his family. And um, this is all in 2 Samuel, by the way. And I have one quote. So uh, David's son Absalom, there's just some horrible things that happened to his family. We're not going to go into details. But Absalom eventually, one of David's son, starts a rebellion. And it becomes so powerful that David leaves Jerusalem and family members are killed. It's just terrible. Finally, Absalom is killed. And this is David's quote. This is from 2 Samuel 18.33. And I just think this is powerful. This is when he found out that Absalom died. This is the guy who rebelled, killed family members. Horrible guy. And king, it says, and the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, oh, my son, son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. That's hard to say. Would I had died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So in the middle of all that, David was broken. This is just horrible stuff. But this was direct consequences for sin. So I think it's important to understand, and this applies to a million things, distracted driving. There's, there's a lot of things we can do that we can get in a whole lot of trouble for. Um, and I think that's one of the categories, right? There are consequences to sin. The last thing I want to talk about is the world is against us. It's easy to forget that in America, at least a generation ago. Um, 
it's not, it wasn't actively against us. I think that is changing. I think most of us have lived a little while can see how it's changing. But all over the world, there is persecution and the world doesn't like us. So I have a few, well, one, I'll just, we don't have to read this one, but Hebrews 11 goes through heroes of the faith. And it's pretty rough all the way down. This is in the Old Testament. And it's, these are all people who were looking towards Jesus coming and had faith through terrible situations for standing up for, for God. So I have a couple others, and these are all from uh, Pastor Rich's, or the next couple anyway, from his sermons. But could somebody look up John 15 and read 18 through 20? Perfect, yep. Because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Thanks, Ben. And could you go down to uh, John 16, so just a, another page, uh, verse 2. Right. And as Rich said, this is a specific message to the apostles, but it also applies to us. Um, the Islam fundamentalists, they are thrilled when they kill Christians. I mean, that's like an extra bump in, in, their, in their way to get to heaven. Um, people really are persecuted all over the world. Um, and there are people that are, th are thinking it's an extra awesome thing to do terrible things to Christians. And there's just so much in here that I think is neat, but I love the fact that Jesus said, I, it hated me first, and he is our example. Um, we shouldn't expect less than what he had to go through. Uh, another good verse is Matthew 10, 25, if somebody could read that. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. They have called the master of the house Beelzebub. How much more will they malign those of his house? Right. Um, so again, they, they were horrible to Jesus. Even though Jesus was perfect, they're much more they're going to be horrible to us. Again, you, we can see that the country changed in a lot of ways. And obviously, it, we're like the last thing you can be mean to just about. And we're, I'm like everything else is a protected class, but Christians. Uh, the verse that I'll just go ahead and read and that I, I take in kind of a strange way some, some hope out of this. This is 2 Corinthians 4.8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. So in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, we are not destroyed. God is with us and there is, there is hope. Um, I want to bring up a quick side note that I think is kind of applicable. Um, has anybody heard of the prosperity gospel? I really don't understand it. Certainly teach, learning about suffering and for this class, the whole Bible's full of suffering. And these are strong men and women of the faith 
who are doing what God wants them to do, and it's not going well in a lot of ways. How that turned into praying for a Cadillac and getting a Cadillac, I don't get it. Um, so, yeah, right, yeah, right. Um, absolutely. Um, so I, I do want to say I think it's important for us, if you run into people like that, the, the world is broken. This We were not promised perfect lives here on earth. If things are not going to go well all the time. That's just all there is to it. We are promised a reward and glory, and that's an f- infinite place, but that's not where we're dealing here. And it, like I said, again, reading through this, I, like you said, like you said Kurt, they came out of it because they're misreading, but I just don't get it. Um, second big point is how does God work through suffering? And there's a lot of things here um, and basic how what he teaches us, but one of the Again, I've said this earlier, but it really shows us that we are not up to the task. We are not in control of anything. Our health could change tomorrow. It could be changing right now. We don't have this figured out. We need to rely on God. So here's a really good, um, and I don't think think I'll have you read this, but I'll I'll talk about it. Um, One of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus was walking on the water and Peter came out and said, we asked me. So I just want to talk. This is... Jesus is walking on the water, they're in a boat, they see him, and here's Peter. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And he was walking, it was working. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, O you of little faith, uh, why did you doubt? You can do many sermons over this passage, but the way, I'm, the way to relate this to suffering is when Peter took his eyes off Jesus and looked at his problems, he began to sink into his own issues and into despair. And as soon as he focused back on Jesus, Jesus was there. Now, Jesus didn't immediately take away the wind. They were still standing in the water at this point. So it's not like the issues went away immediately, but... Peter, I'm sure, felt a whole lot better holding Jesus' hand, um, which I just think is so sweet and so powerful to us. And again, if we're focusing on God and we're putting our hope in God and Jesus, it's not like the suffering's going away, but he is there with us during it. Um, this is also from, uh, Ben, you're still in John? Yeah. Okay, cool. This is also from uh, Rich's sermon. Just side note, as soon as I was given this task to do suffering, Every sermon like seemed like all it was doing is talking about suffering. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it was kind of funny. Um, so if you could read John 15, 1 and 2. Okay. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more. Perfect. Um, again, Rich was talking about this just a few, well, maybe it's been a couple of months, but um, obviously we can't accomplish anything without Jesus, but God uses suffering to make us more effective Christians. He makes us more fruitful. Um, there's a reason we go through suffering, and the, God strengthens us in our faith, and we become, again, more effective Christians at the other end of it. Um, let's talk about strengthening our faith specifically. Can somebody read James 1, verse 2? Okay. 
consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Oh, sorry, keep going. <laughs> At least read three, I'm sorry. <laughs> Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Thanks. Yeah, I should have said one, two, and three, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so first of all, I just love it. Count all joy, my brothers. Um, and we're not going through this, but there's a whole section also about God disciplining us as his sons, just like we try to discipline our kids. There's, there's a, God is using this. He's making us stronger. Uh, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What was, the, what was the word it said in yours? It wasn't steadfastness. Perseverance. Perseverance. And endurance, yeah, it, all those are great things because it helps us put up with stuff, right? And we put up with stuff um, in a in a in a joyful in a in a better manner than just, I guess, falling apart in it. Uh, could somebody read Romans five, three through five? Thanks, Kelly. So some of that's the same thing, but I love the end of it. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we have been given the Holy Spirit um, as a helper through good and bad. Um, and so uh, and we, we have him to rely on. Go ahead. Right. Right. No, that's powerful. And I think I bring that up later on. But yes, you're absolutely right. It goes back to God's timing. There is that moment. And this, again, is, take, brings you back to Psalms. There's that moment where you're helpless and alone and afraid and you just got all the stuff is hitting me and this is horrible. And again, sometimes we're talking about suffering that goes on for years or a lifetime. It's not just a car accident or something. Some, and um, and God does work through that, but that does not mean it's just gone, you know. Um, yeah, and, and again, there's a lot of stuff with suffering that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. Um, yeah. Right. Right, and, I, and maybe somebody in there thought they were being helpful, but that's just so horrible that, 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 that people have bought into that. And I think in general, you can say, as we go through trials, our faith is strengthened. Um, we are trusting God more. We're getting closer to God. And he's preparing us for bigger and better things, right? Um, I see that in Abraham Lincoln's life, the things he dealt with in the Civil War, he was not ready to do when he was splitting logs or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how God brings us along. So our last point, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time on, is practical responses to suffering. Um, and the first thing I want to talk about is just um, leaning on other Christians. That's what we're here for. Um, you'd be amazed at what all of us have gone through, sometimes exactly what we're going through. They can tell you about how it happened to them, how God worked through it. And, and we can talk about this more later, but it's so neat to me that that's 
not only what the church is for, is for us to love each other, but that's how the church uh, evangelizes to the community because they're sitting there going, well, there's something's working out over here. These people genuinely are there for each other. And that's all part of God's plan. Um, so an example of this, about nine years ago, I had three stents put in. I had two 90% and two over 90%, but one stent covered two. So I got three for four for the price of three. But um, I was pretty worried about it. I remember the, of going in, the doctor did the test, like this is a big deal, you're coming in tomorrow. So I was like, I guess he wants to move quickly. I had no pain, or I had pains, but I didn't have any uh, damage or anything. But I went to two people that I knew had, had gone through this. One of them was my dad and one was a good Christian friend. They, they told me what they went through, how they were on the other end, what to expect, and it was ridiculously helpful to me. Um, definitely put, um, it calmed me down. The cool thing about it is since that time, I've been able to talk to two people here at church, one of them's in this room, that have gone through things. And it not only was I able to help them know what's happening, it helped me to talk about it, right? And it's a connection we share now. And, and I think that's just one little example, but how neat the whole thing is that you go through stuff, you help ask for help, and then somebody else goes through stuff and they ask you for help. And it's just a, just a precious thing. And you can tell, like we say at work, you're looking for a win-win and it's, at work it's never a win-win. But it, and with God, there are win-wins and there's win-win-wins. I mean, it, it's just a wonderful, beautiful thing. So um, I want to talk about, it. okay, so another good one is the trials give us a choice, and we talked about this, but to lean into God, to rely on God, strengthens our faith. faith. One big example here is with Paul and the praying to God about the thorn in his side. And God's answer was, my grace is sufficient. I've got you. You know, I'm not taking away this problem, but I've got you. And nobody was more reliant and trusting in God than Paul, or at least he was up there. <laughs> um, and I want to say this too, and, and we can see this especially sometimes in, in older adults in the, in the church. You can see people who or at just this special place where they can trust God regardless of what's happening. And they're a comfort to the rest of us. And they're a, I, I encourage people to seek out those older adults that have gone through things and you can learn a lot from them um, because God has been there for them for years and, and they've seen all of it. Um, and by contrast, we all know people that are just a mess and keep running into the wall over and over again and wondering why it hurts. And you're like, it's right there, you know, as, as a parent, that's a hard thing, by the way, to see. But anyway, um, but, I, but I, that's the point, right? We're supposed to seek out people who are mature in their faith, and people who are mature in their faith have gone through trials and tribulations, and God's been there for them. Um, the other thing, and, and I think this is neat, and this just kept hitting me as through this class, is how the other spiritual disciplines prepare us for suffering. And I asked Alex today, I said, did you put suffering last because it made sense. He's like, no, I was just working out the schedule. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> but, um, but I just want to real quickly go through the others. So, um, so prayer, obviously, taking our cares to God openly and honest is exactly what we need to do through trials. Um, we need to go to God. We need to bring in prayer. Um, worship, focusing on God and not ourselves is awesome. I love worshiping here in church. It's like a freebie. I know for the next 10 minutes, I don't have to worry about anything. I can just focus on God. There's a lot of lessons in that. <laughs> I don't have to just worship up here in church. But, I, but the point is, that's a special moment, right? It kind of recharges you. Uh, the Bible, the more you learn about the Bible, 
the more you're ready to deal with things and deal with things appropriately, right? So you know what to do when things are getting out of hand. Um, fellowship and service, I'm going to kind of put those together. But, and we've already talked about leaning on other Christians, but there are so many ways to serve each other as a church. Sometimes it's just a kind word. Um, when you, we walk in here and people say, how are you doing? You can tell they mean, how, how are you doing? Not just, hi. <laughs> that's a neat thing, right? And you can talk to people in the church. And, um, that's, and then that, that goes up from there. Like they have, um, when somebody's going through stuff, the, it seems like the ladies end up getting food to them like crazy. And they don't know what to do with all the food. That's neat that that just organically happens. And then I'm really suffering right yeah, now. Yeah, Mars going through some stuff. <laughs> I knew you were. Um, <laughs> And then, and it goes up from there, right? There's a mercy ministry the church has for more serious things, helping people move and, and different things. So that's what we're all about. And all those disciplines strengthen us for when we're going through suffering. And those are the things we should be relying on through the suffering. Okay. And Mark. Yeah, go for a, it. In the, in the Old Testament, there's, there's one that I've leaned on a lot. Uh, the prophet Nahum, verse one, yeah. chapter one, verse seven. He says, "The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who take refuge in Him." Right, right. He knows those. Right. In other words, He takes special care. Right. What's amazing contextually, like if you start in verse four, it says, "He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither." Mountains quake because of him. The hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by his presence. The world and all the inhabitants in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the burning of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. And the rocks are broken up by him. And then the right. Lord is good. Right. <laughs> right. And it's that's like, okay, I'm right. telling you all this stuff, but wait right. a minute. <laughs> and that's like so many of the Psalms, the yeah. same thing. Yeah. What, what is going on? Everything's horrible. And then, but I will trust in you. Right. And, and, there, and I love, again, with the Psalms where they talk about this is why, because this is what you've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were in one of the youth leader things we were talking about. It was in the Old Testament. And it's we can trust God's future promises because of how he has always abided by his past provinces, right? Just like if you were dealing in, with business with somebody, if they've been good in the past, you can trust that they will be good in the future, and that's the same way. Um, it's not blind faith or whatever, it's faith with, with evidence. Um, so one of the things that uh, Jim Davis will talk about in his equip class, and this is another practical response, is how to godly lament, to how to really go through taking your cares. And I there's a lot here, and it, it was kind of hard for me to boil it down into even a couple of minutes. But I thought, let's read Psalm uh, 77, because this psalm, um, and just 1 through 15, so somebody could find Psalm 77. This 1 through 15, in my opinion, sums up how to bring your cares to the Lord. So just 1 through 15 of Psalm 77. Go ahead, Dan. Cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I speak the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without weary. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. 
I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end of for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion, Selah? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Perfect. Thanks, Dan. So it, there's no way you can say this person's just going through a, a minor issue. I mean, this is big stuff. You, I'm so troubled I can't speak. You hold my eyelids open. And then will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? These are serious things. He doesn't know where to turn. The world's a mess. Um, and again, he did go to God. He did put all this at God's feet. And then at the end, he's saying, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. It's so powerful. Um, in the depths of this sadness, he is thinking through what God has done for him and for his people and how God has been faithful. And um, the, the key thing about lament is, and that, that at least what I took out of it, and again, Jim can explain this way better than me, but um, if we don't trust that God is sovereign, that God doesn't have this, and that if he doesn't care for us, there's no reason to go to him right? So going to God with your problems is showing you really, and, but it's, it's, it's an act of saying, I don't have this. I'm a mess. God, I'm giving this to you. And it's not saying God fix this tomorrow, but it's like, I, I need you at this time. I can't do this on my own. And, and it's, a, it's a humble thing, right? Um, and again, there's, there's a lot more to it, but it's the, the way it explained to me is this, you're going through this time of pain and you end up with a promise and a trust in God. Um, but, and I, I guess I wanna say a couple things here. There's, there's not a time period on lament, right? You, it doesn't mean you do this for five minutes, you're fine. This can be a long-term process, especially dealing with some of the crazy things we can all deal with. But, but through it all, it's a trust and a reliance on God. Um, the last, thing I think that, that's important for us to understand as far as practical ways to deal with suffering is um, encouragement, okay? We live in a finite world. No matter how horrible it is here, we only have so many years left of it. Um, and then we have an infinite time and in glory with the Lord. Um, and sometimes that's, that's all you got, right? I mean, it, it, there's sometimes you can't see the good thing that's coming here on earth. So, I got a few verses here that I think are really cool. So could somebody read uh, James 1, 12? Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Perfect. Um, so there, there's obviously a reward at the end. Um, we are not going to be here forever. We will be in glory forever. 
Um, and, and I think sometimes that's important to put this in perspective, um, no matter how things are going on here. Could somebody read 1 Peter 1, 5 through 7? Go ahead, please. Thanks, Ashley. Uh huh. Uh huh. Thank you. Yeah, so that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate focus is glory to God, to Jesus, and then our salvation, um, and then reward in heaven. Um, could somebody read John 16? This is also something that uh, Pastor Rich has gone through. This is verse 20 through 22, and then this is kind of the last part, last verse for this portion. 16, 20, through 20 through 22, please, yep. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish, for joy that a human being has been born to the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And I just love that. Nobody's going to take your joy away from you. Um, i I got to bring up the childbirth. Um, so... If you guys ever want to have a good time, go to the hospital and say, uh, this is my fifth kid and my wife has fast labors. They will run around and just go crazy. I, it's the funnest thing. When, when you go the first time, they all think you're clueless. They really think the guy is clueless. But once you're in fifth and sixth, they start listening to you. But um, it's such a powerful thing. My wife's had seven kids. <laughs> um, it's just a miracle, obviously. But there's this moment where they take the baby and they... Yeah, <laughs> it's special, right? I mean, um, and you could, I could tell every time, like, Jackie's like, I'll do another one. You know, I mean, it's just, and I'm sitting there going, this is a big deal. <laughs> um, it's so powerful. I always said that if guys had babies, you might be able to get us to do one, and then that, that's it. <laughs> and only the first one, because we're not too bright. Um, but it's, it's a special thing. So, obviously, Jackie forgets what just happened, and just for the joy of what she has done. Um, that's just so cool. All right, let's move on so I can focus here. Um, okay, so the last part that we're going to do is talk about, I think I already said the last part, this is the last, last part, is uh, how Jesus suffered for us and how he's our ultimate example. And he, you, and I didn't go through this at this level, but you could even talk about each of the spiritual disciplines and how Jesus showed us the way on every one and how it ultimately led up to his trial and the suffering on the cross. So I, I want to, um, the first one I don't want anybody to read, I'm just going to talk about. The first obvious example, and, and this is Luke 4, 1 through 10, but I'm, I'm not going to read all of it, but this is where uh, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted. So he's already broken, he's already exhausted, he's already gone through something that I don't ever want to not eat for 40 days. But um, in the middle of that, one of the first things the devil does is tempt him with food. And Jesus responds through scripture every single time. 
right? So he doesn't break, he doesn't give in to pain, and he has, he obviously knew scripture, so he knew what to respond. So that's, we need to know the Bible so that we know how to respond. Um, side thing here, temptation is pretty effective when we're a mess, right? So we need to be extra on top of things when we're going through stuff because that's when the devil knows that. It's not like he hasn't figured this out and he knows when to hit us. Um, and just if you're ever going through stuff, that's a great passage to read because Jesus was on top of it the whole way. Could somebody read John 11, 32 through 35? This is uh, right after Lazarus um, had died and Jesus is coming to, uh, I want to say Bethany, but anyway. Yes, 32, 35. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Yeah, so how powerful is this, right? He, Jesus is there. He, know, he sees what they're going through. And he knows he, you know, he can raise Lazarus, but he's just overwhelmed with the pain of the people around him and he weeps i mean it's just so powerful jesus is his human his human humanity is suffering right um and he is suffering for others that's the other thing key this is not jesus is hurting it, you know he's dealing with yeah go ahead yeah, i was just gonna say he wasn't weeping for lazarus right he was gonna raise he was gonna raise him mm -hmm. he, exactly he was weeping because of the condition the human right. condition which is so just so awesome just that, again, just to think about Jesus putting up with us for 33 years and setting aside the glory that he had with the Father to deal with us, just overwhelming stuff. Um, okay, so this is portions from Matthew 26, 37 through 44, and I'm just going to read bits of it. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane when he is praying with the apostles and he went off by himself to pray and they keep falling asleep, as everybody knows. Um, but I just love this. Um, I'm just... This is just parts of it. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He said this again, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be, will be done. And he brought it up again a third time. So kind of relating this back to the Psalms, Jesus was giving his cares to the father, but he was also recognizing the Father's sovereignty in this moment and that if there was no other way, he'll, he's going to do it. Um, I love the reality that Jesus could have said, I'm just not feeling it. This is getting a little out of hand. I'm not doing it. But Jesus did it anyway. And very rarely do we get to say, I want to stop this trial right now, <laughs> right? But Jesus could have stopped it at any moment, and he, he did this for us. And this part here, and this is where he's sweating drops of blood and all this kind of stuff, Jesus was really suffering. He was really troubled. Don't let anybody tell you that, that this was not a big deal for Jesus. This was huge. Um, and if it wasn't, he wouldn't have been praying these prayers, right? Um, but again, he was obedient to the Father through all of this. Uh, could somebody read Luke 23, 27 through 29? 27 through 29? Please. Luke 23, 27 to 29. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry, let me interrupt. He's carrying the cross, so it's not, not the best moment. Okay, go ahead. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to him, to them, 
right, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves and for the children. Is it 29 again? Uh, please, yeah, for one more sentence. will come when you will say, blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore now he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which is coming up. And when the Jerusalem was destroyed, the people that survived just fled to the hills, and you did not want to have a little baby at that time. That's what he's talking about. But what, what he is saying is he's, he was whipped so badly the day before that he couldn't carry the cross by himself, at least not the whole way. They grabbed the guy to help him and all this. So this is a horrible moment for Jesus, but he's worried about the people around him, right? That's mind-boggling to me. Um, you, you can see that sometimes as a parent. I mean, there's a moment where you're, you care more about your kids than us, but that's the closest I've ever been to what Jesus is going through. Where in that moment, he's concerned about others. Um, just to follow up, on verse 34, um, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These are not about even the people that like him. These are people that are torturing and killing him. And he's asked for God to forgive them. That's just crazy stuff. That's very hard to put our mind around it. Um, also in verses 40 through 43, um, he is saying to the, uh, one of the criminals that said, Jesus, remember me. And he says, um, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. He's taking time to take care of the people while he's on a cross. I mean, that... If, if Jesus, I mean, that's just as more than anything we're ever going to have to go through, right? Um, that's the example in front of us. Uh, Matthew 27, 46, uh, this just kind of going with the same thing. He cried out with a loud voice, my God, my, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is that moment of, mo moment of just complete depths of despair. That, that, that this perfect relationship that God and Jesus had from eternity was broken for that split second or whatever while he was burying all our sins because of us. And this is just what he was feeling. Again, this proves that Jesus is really going through stuff. And then he cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Um, all for us. And, and like I said before, he could have stopped this. Um, I want somebody to read this kind of kind of sums this up a little bit. If somebody could read Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thank you. Um, so let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of our need. It's perfect, right? It's exactly. We are, when we are suffering, we're in a time of need. We're always in need. But we're really in need when we're suffering. Draw, draw near to the throne of grace in confidence because we are dealing with Jesus who has gone through stuff, right? We're not dealing with a distant God who spun up the clock and went away. We're dealing with a personal uh, God who has so much empathy for us that he came down and hung out with us and died for us. Just uh, crazy stuff. So absolute last verse, I promise this time. Um, Hebrew 12, 1 through 3, if somebody could read that.
God of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Thanks. Right, so it is a race. It is a long-term thing. Uh, I think most of you know Jared Broadbrooks has tried out for the Olympics. He ran it like two hours and 15 minutes, 26 miles. It's ridiculous. But the point is, this was two hours and 15 minutes of something I don't want to do two minutes of. And, and he just, so that's not something that I had a good moment. I've got this. This is on and on and on. And he's just one foot in front of the other. That's what the Christian walk is, right? I mean, it's not just a couple of good days. It's you just keep on going. And I love this. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted, right? So at our worst things, we know that, that Jesus did this and more for us. Um, and that's pretty much where I want to leave it. Um, I, I love the fact that Jesus was the example of all the spiritual disciplines. He's the example for us. And, um, and he gave God the glory through all of it. So, thank you. Um, again, uh, if you ever want to, the Psalms are full of it. There's a couple others if might want to write these down. There's Psalms 30, 63, and 121 are all three more where, again, the psalmist is a mess, and he's going to God, he's questioning what's happening, and then he ultimately is, is giving the glory to God. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thank you all. Appreciate it.